Welcome to Let's Get Political, a podcast dedicated to providing you with all the information you need to know to make informed decisions without the media spin. I'm your host, Benjamin Copeland, with my co-host, Jessica Hargis. Say hi, Jessica. Hello. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Texas primaries. The primary election is March 1st. So if you haven't gotten out to early vote yet, now is the time. Tuesday is election day, so get out and vote. Uh, Your vote really does matter. And so we're going to talk about some of the major campaign that are going on in the primaries. Of course, Texas governor, uh, lieutenant governor, attorney general. And we may even get into a little bit of uh, land commissioner talk because that one is up for grabs uh, this year. And then if, uh, if time allows, we'll get into a little bit of uh, maybe legislative talk, whether the Republicans are going to retain the Texas legislature. Hint, hint, probably going to happen. All right, (laughs) let's get into it. Hey, Jessica, how's it going? Pretty good. You know, I actually really enjoy watching the primaries, um, but most people don't even know what they are. I always ask my students, do you even know what a primary is? And they think it's the local election at the local level. So if you don't mind, let's take a few minutes just to uh, do a refresher on the difference between the primary and the general. Absolutely. Let's talk about the primary elections. So what are primary elections? So primary elections are when the political parties select who the candidate is going to be on the general election ballot. So right now, our goal is to go in and vote based on the party affiliation that we care most about. (laughs) Or if you don't care about your party, go vote in somebody else's party. And we'll talk about that in just a second. And you can only vote in one political party, either the Democrats or the Republicans, and you're voting for the candidates on their ballot. That's right. it. We have an we have an open primary. Our, our state is an open primary state, meaning that you can walk up on Election Day. You can walk up March 1st. The first question that they're going to ask you is, do you want to vote in the Republican primary or do you want to vote in the Democrat primary? And as you correctly pointed out, Jessica, uh, you can only vote in one. Can't vote in both. So, um, yeah, it just depends on uh, which one you want to want to vote in. And so then they pick nominees. And those nominees for the Republican Party and the Democrat Party face off the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November, right? Well, yes. However, I will point out that this year we will likely also have a runoff. And that's something I think you and I don't necessarily agree upon, but I really think there's going to be a runoff. Not every state has one. So what exactly is a runoff? A runoff is when in Texas, in order to be the candidate, you have to have at least 50.1% of the vote. If you do not get 50.1% of the vote, then you and the top, the actually the top two people in each political party, um, they're the ones who then we'll do a runoff. So if you, in the Republican party, if there are six people running for an office and nobody gets 50.1%, then the top two vote getters will then do a runoff. If the Democratic party has seven people running for an office, same thing there, they don't get the 50.1%, then they will have to have a runoff. Of course, counties pay for all this. So just as an FYI, my students are always like, well, the federal government pays for all of our elections, right? No, we have 254 counties in the state of Texas and each one runs their elections. And so if there is a runoff, just as an FYI, that costs you more money. So what? this is a, an aside real quick, but um, and we've never talked about this. What do, you, what do you think about ranked choice voting? Do you think that would be uh, something? Now, let me explain what ranked weight ranked choice voting, I almost couldn't get that out, uh, (laughs) is basically what you would do is you would go in and you would pick your number one candidate that you would want to see win, but then you would pick a second candidate if your first candidate uh, didn't get enough votes who you would want to win secondarily. So what, what do you think about that? 
I think it's actually a really great idea. It's been utilized, if I'm not mistaken, in the state of Alaska, New Mm -hmm. York uses it for some things and they have found success in that, you know, some people are like, Hey, I'm picking the, the best of the worst choices, but I could also go for, you know, Bob and, but Bob's my second choice. And so the idea there is, I, I think it's, it models caucuses as closely as possible by still being a vote. And so I'm actually in favor of caucusing. And so I am totally for ranked choice. Although I do think it's a bit complicated being as that most of the people I interact with don't actually know what a primary is. I'm not sure if we could um, properly explain that in, um, in the mass media, but I think it, you know, if we could try it here and there, I think we would find that more people might be willing to go out there because most people, you know, political scientists have shown that most people don't vote because they're unhappy with the government they have and they don't think their voice is right. heard. And if you do rank choice voting, then your voice is heard not only for the first choice, but for the second and so on. And so I don't know. I I favor it mm-hmm. if we could educate the public properly. True, true. I'm a Benjamin Franklin, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the Republic. You so have. As far as I'm concerned. Um, Well, let's get into some of these um, primary uh, campaigns that are going on. And of course, at the top of the ballot, uh, March 1st is going to be the governor, the office of governor. Our gubernatorial election. Gubernatorial election. You know, I I say gubernatorial in my class and they're like, what? Yeah. Did you make that word up? What is that? And I say, it's the governor's election. (laughs) I've trained myself not to say gubernatorial, which is... (laughs) kind of ridiculous like goobers but, but we've got um we've got the incumbent running greg abbott um and there is quite a list of people running against him in the republican primary a couple of uh i don't know fairly well-known names like alan west uh donald huffines uh there is a rick perry running but not the yeah rick perry. this is another rick perry um yeah. Just to be clear, you know, Absolutely. studies have shown that people vote for the names they know. And so yeah. this guy is probably one of the smartest marketing people I have ever seen. Rick usually goes by Richard his whole life, but, you know, yeah. this was the right time to cut it short. Exactly. Apparently, uh, he worked for Lockheed Martin as a tech, as a technician. Uh, and I guess with his name being similar to the former governor, he thought, hey, why not give it a chance? This reminds me of that movie. Did you ever see the movie with Eddie Murphy, The Distinguished Gentleman? Yes, I use that all the time in my class, but it's getting too far away from that. Um, so nobody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. I love that movie. Ran, not showing a picture. And if you try and look nope. up Rick Perry, if I'm not mistaken, there is no picture. No picture of, of Richard Perry, a.k.a. Rick Perry, <laughs> technician from Lockheed Martin. Uh, do any of these people have a chance of beating Greg Abbott in the primary? Well, first, I want to let you know that I am not surprised at all that he has this many people running against him in the Republican Mm -hmm. primary. He was lambasted during the COVID pandemic for some of the decisions he made, even sued by his own political party. And so most of these people, including our esteemed fake Rick Perry, um, (laughs) they're running to the right of Greg Abbott, arguing that they are true conservatives. You see that on almost every poster. And so I think that 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 is obviously why we have so many in the field. But back to your question, do I think anyone has a chance? I would say no. I think the American public is just really not that in tune. I think when you're asking the primary people who vote, which is a shockingly low percent this year, um, they're going to stick with what they know. They're going to go with Greg Abbott. If anybody is going to take him to the polling and possibly force a runoff, it would have to be Don Huffines. He's the only other person with good name recognition other than our fake Rick guy. Yeah, and and any of the polling that I've seen, none none of these candidates are even coming close to touching uh, Governor Abbott right now. So, And you know, uh, Abbott doesn't seem like he's worried at all because his campaign is only focused on one person. And that's uh, Beto O'Rourke from the Democratic Party. He is not worried about these guys at all. He's not uh, even doing any campaign ads that is attacking them. He's letting them do attacks and he's going straight for the Democrat. Yeah, agreed. And and even then, I, I wonder how much I mean, you've got to be a little bit worried about Beto. So let's get into the Democratic uh, primary for governor. The only real name 
running is Beto O'Rourke. Uh, you do have uh, four other people. I'm be honest, I don't even recognize their names. He's he's going to win. Uh, all of the polling I've shown, he's going to win uh, going away the, the primary. So what chance does he have of knocking off Greg Abbott come November? Now oh, you want to jump to the prior to the general election? Well, let's let's do it for like half a minute. Well, we'll probably yeah. get into this, you know, again closer to November. But how about a little preview? You know, um, if you would have asked me about four or five months ago, whenever he threw his name in the hat in the in the ring, I would have said hands down, Beto is not going to win. I know that Democrats across the United States would like Texas to turn blue, and he is getting the majority of his funding from outside of the state. Mm-hmm. But um, he had a pretty big gaffe when he was running for presidential uh, for the Democratic presidential nomination, and he said he wants to come to our houses and take our guns away. Right. And I don't know a lot of Democrats in Texas Texas that would like that. (laughs) That doesn't go over well in Texas, you know, maybe nationwide. But now uh, for people that don't know who Beto O'Rourke is, um, he is the former congressman from El Paso who took Ted Cruz uh, to the wire in 2018 for the U.S. Senate seat. Um, I think I think Ted Cruz only won by two percentage points, maybe three percentage points at best. Pretty, yeah, pretty uh, bad. Very close, uh, if I remember correctly. About two hundred thousand votes separated the two. So he he was he was a formidable opponent against Ted Cruz. But or Ted Cruz is so hated. Or or Ted Cruz not not as well liked. Beto then ran for president uh, <laughs> in twenty twenty and was just blown away. And, and had that gaffe, as you as you correctly pointed out, about uh, wanting to take away. He had a great cover on Vanity Fair. He had a photo shoot because he's a rock star, right? Yeah, right. I don't think he has a chance in November. I mean, <laughs> there's a long ways to go between now and November. Who knows what could happen? I've seen crazier things happen. Polling between Abbott and O'Rourke it is about an 8.8% average. So that's that's about in line with... Uh, the difference between Republicans and Democrats in the last, oh, you know, three, four elections. And like I said, I mean, the thing that brings Democrats out during the midterm is they really have to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be pushed to the polls. Usually Republicans show up, show up not only in the primaries more often than Democrats, but also in the general election. And so what happens is in Texas, if you're a Republican in the last 20 years and you get on the general ballot, you are almost guaranteed a win. So I agree with you. I think Abbott's got this one, unless he continues to do things like he's recently done, which has come out against um, transgenders and asking people to turn parents into uh, health and human services for supporting transgender kids Mm-hmm. in their transitioning. So I know that's kind of upsetting. And, you know, when Hollywood gets involved, all of a sudden some of the millennials pay attention. So, but it would have to be pretty big gaff for, for Abbott. Not it to would, win. it would. Right. Well, let's move on to the Lieutenant governor's race. Here we have the incumbent running again, Dan Patrick, a Republican. Uh, I am looking at the slate of uh, people running against him. And again, uh, nobody who has raised more than $63,000. Uh, to put that into perspective, Dan Patrick has raised $8.7 million. So he's going to win this going away. Uh, on the on the Democrat side. Well, you know, before you move on for the Republicans, I will just say this, that um, he did not do well in the last general election. His margin of victory over the Democrat last time was pretty small. Yeah, I think it was his points. pretty bad. And what was interesting about that is it was all of his social issues. When he focuses on social issues, then that's a problem. And he is really upset the House this last legislative session, he tried to strong arm the new speaker into doing right. some things. So um, I'm not surprised there are this many people running against him. I would love to see a runoff in this one just to show Lieutenant Governor that he doesn't get to tell people what to do, but I'm I don't think you. it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah, I just pulled up the last election. Interesting enough, uh, Mike Collier uh, who is running again on the Democrat side, and he's raised 
million dollars uh, and will probably win the Democrat primary, although Matthew Dodd is is a name. Uh, He's raised about six hundred thousand dollars. So there may be there, you know, may give him a little run for his money, uh, pun intended. Um, but, <laughs> you but, know, Mike's yeah. a little bit more conservative Democrat. That's why it works here. Right. In Texas. So. Yeah. Uh, Mike Collier did come pretty close, 46.5% to Dan Patrick's 51.3%. So about a, what is that? 4.8. Oh, I can't do that. 4.8% nice. there. So about, about the difference of 400,000 votes. And that was in 2018 when, um, Democrats, uh, were doing quite well. And Beto almost knocked off Ted Cruz. So probably this year in 2022, I would guess that the Republicans are uh, are favored because, as we all know, midterms usually favors the party not in the White House. That is, president's a Democrat, then usually Republicans pick up seats and vice versa. So, so yeah, we'll see if Mike Collier has uh, has some magic left in him, but, but my guess, probably not. Well, and I'll tell you, I mean, midterm primary uh, showing um, turnout is abysmal. It uh-huh. is as of February 23rd, 93.5% of Texas registered voters have not voted. Wow. <laughs> so about 4% of Republicans have shown up and only two and a half percent of Democrats. So the rest of uh, you people need to get out there Right. Uh, and, and there will be a lot of people that will vote on Election Day. I, I tend to like to vote on Election Day just because I like the I like the pomp and circumstance of, of getting in line on Tuesday. But um, but yeah, probably won't get above 10 percent for sure. Now, historically in Texas, about 50 percent of the voting happens in primary or in the early election and then the other. So if this is what we're looking forward to, this is going to be one of the worst turnouts in primary voting in a good while. Yep. All right, let's move on to the big election going on uh, statewide, the attorney general. So here uh, we've got quite a who's who of people uh, running for uh, the Republican primary. Of course, we have the incumbent, Ken Paxton running and from the polling that I could find, he has led in the polling, but he does have two really interesting um, candidates running against him. Uh, the first one being Ava Guzman, who was on the Texas Supreme Court and resigned in order to run for attorney general. She, Which is also what attorney, uh, Greg Abbott did before he became governor and um, Cornwin, if I'm not mistaken, before he became senator. So she's following in a long line of successful Republicans to do that. Absolutely. That is correct. And she, interestingly enough, has raised more money than anybody else in this primary, about eight million dollars to Ken Paxton's five million. But then the other uh, really notable candidate is George Prescott Bush or George P. Bush, <laughs> who is the land commissioner. So the Bushes are making a comeback here in Texas. He's raised five million dollars also. He is a name. He does have name recognition, if for no other reason for being a Bush. You know, but that Bush name didn't help him very much last time when he was running. He just didn't have good opponents. Yeah, I actually disagree with you. I think his biggest competition is going to be Louis Gomer. Louis in the house right now, and he um, is a what he calls a Trump Republican without the baggage. Yeah, that's his whole campaign. And the only person Ken Paxton is running negative ads against is Louis Gomer. So to me, I think Ken thinks that his biggest um opponent is Gomer. I guess we should address what the baggage would be then. Yeah. Well, quickly, I didn't mention that Louis Gomer is also running. Those are the four people, Louis Gomer, uh, a sitting congressman right now. Those are the four people that are running and it's, it's, it could be anybody's game coming up. So yeah, let's talk about why, why so many big names running for attorney general, what's going on with the incumbent Ken Paxton. Well, about a year after being first elected to office, he was indicted for securities fraud. And so it's been seven years now that he's been asking for a reassignment and move, moving his um, court dates back, asking for new evidence, going from different court jurisdiction to different court jurisdiction, claiming he needs a unbiased jury. 
And uh, while all that was going on, he had a FBI investigation going on. He had some very high ranking and close friends of his within the Justice Department claim that he misused the office to help a large name, large dollar donor. Mm-hmm. So he's just got, like Gomert said, some baggage. And so although what he has going for him is even, um, I think twice now, you've got former President Trump who has endorsed him. Yeah, that's he the big asserted his endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing going for him is that Trump has endorsed him in this race and he's running ads left and right with with Donald Trump. What, what do you think? Any predictions here? Um, I really do think that Paxton and Gomert are going to go to a runoff election. I think that Gomert's giving him a run for his money, being the Trump candidate without the baggage. Mm-hmm. I think you look at how Gomert has um, held himself in Congress. He has voted with Trump. He has been by his side. Of course, Gomert's good friend in Congress is Florida Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, crew that right. he runs with. So if um, if that's your cup of tea, then you're voting for Gomert and not Ken Paxton. The the last polling that I have found showed 47 percent of likely voters would pick Ken Paxton. Twenty one percent picked George P. Bush. Sixteen percent picked Ava Guzman and 15% Louis Gohmert. So certainly I think if if any of these races are uh, gonna go to a runoff, this is probably the likely one. Paxton and one of the other three, depending. I mean, they're, they're all running neck and neck, uh, the, the other three. And they had a debate recently and yeah. Gohmert just was attacking Ken Paxton the whole time, even though Ken Paxton did not show up for the show up. debate. Yeah. But Eva Guzman and um, Bush, they went after each other pretty hard. It was uh, some pretty ugly talk. I'm sorry, Ken Paxton. Uh, Bush called Eva Guzman a gutter politician. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was like, dang, did your dad teach you to talk like that? Um, My thing about Bush, you know, a lot of people like him. He did not support his own dad in the presidential election. He waited until um, very late in the presidential primaries when his dad was running for office so that he would not be seen, in my opinion, it's a very political move. So he would not be seen as somebody who's going against the Republican candidate. Mm. And when Trump got the nomination, he um, was the only Bush to uh, endorse him. I'm a big family person, so if you're not going to support your own family at the beginning, I don't know. Certainly a lot of bad blood between Trump and the Bushes. Uh, Talk about the gutter. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, Donald Trump eviscerated Jeb Bush. He uh, still talks bad about the family. The governor during that primary in 2016. I I just, it's. it's, And after all that butt kissing, who did he endorse? Ken Paxton. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, here's my prediction. I think I think it's going to be a runoff between Paxton and Guzman. I really do. Um, I think she is a a really formidable candidate. I don't I don't know if she can win, um, but uh, it, it, I think it will be either Paxton and Bush or Paxton and Guzman for a runoff. Just depends on whether or not Paxton can get above that fifty percent. You can get a few more people to vote, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It'll yeah, nice. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. Like I said, statistically, whoever ends up as the candidate is going to win. And, you know, Ken Paxton has won re-election with his indictment over his head once before. Yep. Yep. And so um, that's why Guz- uh, Gomer is just going after him nonstop to try and let people know this is happening. And it's very interesting when I teach in class and I talk about who represents you, number one, they don't realize that the attorney general is elected. We have a plural executive and all these positions are elected by the people. And number two, they have no idea who Ken Paxton is or that he's under indictment. And so, you know, most people who are voting don't have any idea about this baggage that Gomer's talking about. So that's why he's spending all of his money trying to make everyone aware. Well, on the, on the Democrat side, nobody uh, notable, Really? Um, you Ouch, have, poor T-Bone, man. Yeah, T-bone yeah there, is, there is a T-Bone Raynor. Uh, he's raised a total of $200 for this race. So hey, He's working hard, man. Yeah, he's working hard. He has spent $3,700, so he's, he's spent a little bit of his own money there. The, the person with the most, uh, has raised the most money would be Joe Jaworski uh, with about a million bucks he's raised, has 
spent 1.4. So using some of his own money, it looks like any of these people have a chance. Oh, I mean, maybe Jaworski is going to get the Democratic nomination if anybody votes in that area. Yeah. You know, down ballot, it's very hard to get anyone to vote. But I don't see uh, if a Republican's on the ballot, Republicans getting going to get elected. Right. Sorry for all those who think that we're going to turn blue sometime soon. Not right? anytime soon and probably not this election. Definitely not this election. These people have no name recognition. They're doing a, a really bad job getting their name out there. And if we don't know who they are, they're not getting elected. Uh, old, old S. T-Bone Rainer didn't fill out his Ballotopedia uh, <laughs> questionnaire, so can't find out what, what he does or or anything about him, but uh, got to love the name for sure. No, I just want to name some of these other positions. When I talk about this in class, it's very, very few people really understand what a plural executive is and who you are responsible for. So George P. Bush is currently part of the executive branch. He has been the um, the land commissioner uh, for the last few wow. years, and he gave up the, um, the ability to run for reelection for that position in order to run as attorney general. So let's go to land commissioner. Yeah, there's eight people uh, running on the Republican side. Nobody with a really big name per se in here. Uh, four people running on the on the Democrat primary side. If we go and we look at who's raised what money. Uh, it looks like Don Buckingham is the uh, the winner of raising money, if nothing else, uh, by far. She's raised $1.7 million and spent wow. $1.4 So she's she's really going for it. The, the next highest person is John Spears with 108000 spent 275,000. Just by that alone, there's no polling out on this. Uh, probably Buckingham will win if if spending money means you you're, you're going to win. On the Democrat side, Jay Kleber is the is the person who's raised the most money. $860,000 has spent 679. Nobody has raised more than $75,000. Uh, you know, that's running against Jay Kleberg. Any any comments on any of these people? You know, these people, uh, there's no name recognition. So it's going to be a popularity contest or whoever gets more of their friends to vote. I thought Don Minton and the Republicans was going to go for it, but I don't. But yeah, no, I mean, no, no real polling here. Although Don, she is currently in the Texas Senate. Uh, she represents District 24 won that seat pretty handily by about 40 percentage points. So an experienced politician when it comes to Texas Senate. Um, looks like she may be able to make that translate over to the land commissioner's office. Which, of course, most people don't even know what the land commissioner yeah. does. What does a land commissioner do? <laughs> well, weirdly enough, uh, Texas owns a significant amount of land. They own the mineral rights for public lands, and that is how we get a good amount of money, revenue for all of federal, uh, all of state programming. So um, they... <laughs> And they oversee the Alamo. So, I mean, like, yep. what else? Right. But, you know, what else is very important with the land commissioner is that they are in charge of uh, veterans programs. They have. Yeah. yeah. And there are two veterans that are running. So that's why I thought that Minton might have a better chance because, you know, West Point grad and whatnot. And then, of course, if I'm not mistaken, it's like Spears or somebody is also um, a veteran. And so if you have a veteran running, sometimes they they yeah. appeal more to the uh, veterans and the veteran commission and, and all that money. So, yeah, as a but you have to know that. As a yeah. veteran myself, I'm always interested in in who gets that position. But yeah, Don Mitten hasn't really raised much money. No. Uh, so I, I, you know, again, no polling here. But if if spending money, how much money you've raised, getting money from the rich donors, is any indication, Don Buckingham is is running away with it. So very good. Well Another position that I love to talk about because it's one of the only ones that has a requirement to hold the position is the agriculture commissioner. So yeah. we actually have a commissioner of agriculture in the state of Texas. They're uh, very important in my opinion, because I drive a car that runs on fuel. I know that's not very popular, um, but they actually regulate the fuel pumps. I know. Why does the agriculture commissioner do that? But not only that, they also administer 
um, school lunch programs and they support the farmers. So whenever I go shopping, I always see their marketing campaign, you know, buy Texans yep. uh, products and whatnot. And so these are the ad commissioner people, but what are they required in order to hold position? They are required to have a working farm. They have to be wow. working. They have to be on a working farm. So that's always my favorite. Do we know who currently holds the position of agriculture yeah. commissioner? Well, the incumbent is Sid Miller, and he has been the agriculture commissioner for a while now. Um, you know, again, nobody, nobody that's really probably going to touch him, although uh, there is a guy named James White who has raised uh, as much money as he has, um, 382000 to Sid Miller's 324, but in this he's race, also a, isn't he a current legislator or was um, he he's a former legislator? Maybe. Yeah. Let me, let me look that up. Um, he, James White, that sounds part fun. out too. Yeah. He was, he's in the Texas house. Uh, okay. James White is in the Texas house right now, uh, represents district 19, um, African-American. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think, um, I, I don't think Sid Miller loses this. I, I could be completely wrong, but uh, you'd have to be really in tune with yeah. what Sid has been doing over the last few years. Right. I personally am on Twitter. I follow all of our elected officials on Twitter because I'm that dork. My husband, of course, follows all of his favorite sports people, but I am definitely <laughs> a, all my entire Twitter. Twitter feed is filled with politicians. Sid is very colorful, if yeah, I could yeah. use that word, on yeah. Twitter. Huge Trump supporter. He also had a uh, investigation against him. He had to repay the government for misused funds. He mm -hmm. utilized state funds in order to travel, if I'm not mistaken, to a rodeo, because where else would you use state funds? Well, that's, I mean, why not? <laughs> I mean, duh. Um, I mean, I guess you could use it and have an FBI investigation or you could just say, yeah, I did it and pay it back. So that's what Sid did. I think that he has, um, you know, white is up against him, I think, because of his colorful language. And he is just not a very good representation of the Republican Party, as some people would argue. But he is a huge Trump follower. Yeah. He um, still rails against Hillary Clinton to this date yeah. for all the bad things she did. And that was 2016. So, and I more think. importantly, Jessica, uh, he's the only candidate that wears a cowboy hat uh, on his pictures. So, I mean, if that's any indication of how Texan he is, uh, yeah, he ran uh, in 2014, won by a substantial margin over the Democrat, uh, ran again in 2018. Again, remember, this is the election that Beto almost upended Ted Cruz. He won by about five percentage points there against Kim Olson, who's actually uh, a bit of a name in, on the Democratic side. Um, and but I would argue with you that 2018 was a fluke. You get, yeah. Yeah. You get the top of the ticket if people show up for the top of the ticket. Also, in 2018, there was something different than what's going to be on the ballot in 2022. And that is the straight party ticket. Right. So in 2018, you could go in and you can click the Democrat because you were going for Beto O'Rourke because you couldn't stand Ted Cruz, right? Those big names at the top of the ticket. And it would straight party ticket and vote for all the Democrats. I think that's why you saw such a slew of Democrats getting such support in the 2018 election. Mm -hmm. That has been the legislature, the Texas legislature has voted to take that off the ballot. And now people will literally have to go down the ballot and vote for these people. And I just don't see that happening. No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and I, I, I don't see, it would be, it, it would be shocking to me if Sid Miller lost this race. Um, but I mean, again, just crazier just things. Gallant hat alone. He's got to win just for that. Right. Right. <laughs> last, um, last executive, um, office out of the six statewide elected, uh, single person, um, seats is the comptroller, the Texas comptroller of public accounts. Uh, as some people might know, the incumbent is Glenn Hager. I've been seeing a lot of his, his commercials up uh, recently. Um, not sure why he feels like he has to do that because he is blowing the competition away. Uh, if, it, you know, if, if, again, uh, contributions and expenditures are any indication of who's leading Glenn Hager has uh, spent uh, almost $2 million. Uh, I'm sorry, he's spent almost 2.3 million. He's raised almost $2 million. Uh, the one person running against him, a guy named Mark Golaby or Golaby, uh, yeah. 
Your guess is as good as mine. He spent $11,000. So, <laughs> yeah, he's doesn't look like he's, uh, he, he did get a loan for 550 bucks. Ouch. Like here. So, yeah, going big or going home. Uh, probably going to go home. Uh, on the on the Democrat side, no big names that I um, that I see here. The the person who has spent the most is Tim Mahoney at forty two thousand. Again, uh, Glenn Hager just blowing it out when it comes to uh, spending money and raising money. Any any and again, this is one of those positions that nobody understands. Nobody knows what we have. Why is this? I personally think he is the third most constitutionally important person in the state executive branch. Yeah. Um, he is the one who you know projects the money for the bi- biennial uh, legislative session. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the budget, yes. slightly important. Yeah. And so, you know, he might have taken a hit because of COVID, but um, he's not getting blamed for it. So, yeah, I'm with you. He's, I don't even know why he's spending any money. I always have to, I always have to make a point of uh, explaining the difference between biennial and biannual. Uh, a lot of my, my students will get that mixed up. Biannual is twice a year. Biennial is once every two years. And so Texas is one of six states that has a biennial legislative session that is once every two years. And we budget for a two-year cycle. Uh, If memory serves correctly, we have about a $240 billion uh, budget here in Texas, which you have to kind of split that in half because that's budgeting for two years. But Glenn Hager and the Texas Comptroller of Public Accounts, what, uh, which, which we usually just call the Comptroller, um, that's the person who does all of the uh, forecasting of how much money is going to be raised in revenue, tax Absolutely. revenue for the state. And then he uh, has a big to-do before the legislative session and unveils how much money the uh, Texas legislature is allowed to spend. Uh, in the in the upcoming uh, two year budget, so it is a very important um, uh, office, uh, and it looks like Glenn Hager is pretty much set up to to win that. No no major uh, controversies with him that I can think of. No, like I said, it, we lost money during the pandemic and it's not his fault. He's not being blamed for it. He worked really well with the Trump administration, with the CARES Act. He's currently getting the money from the Biden administration as a result of that um, that legislation that was passed. And he is evenly distributing it. Nobody. Usually this this position is really not controversial. Um, I don't even know why someone's running against him, to tell you the truth. Yeah, well, somebody just, uh, you know, woke up one day and said, you know, I'm going to give this I like one. money. <laughs> I'm going to try this. So uh, 2018, uh, he won by 10 percentage points. Again, the infamous 2018. He was the uh, largest. Yeah. Where Democrats did quite well, but but he had know. the largest margin of any Republican on the ballot that year. And then in 2014, when he ran, uh, won by over 20 percentage points against Mike Collier. Democrat. So he's really wants to get on that executive. Yeah, he's he's hitting them all, I guess. But, you know, well, one day, Mike, keep going. Don't don't give up the dream. Yeah. So that's that's all six of the uh, Texas uh, executive branch uh, offices. Um, Again, probably the one that matters the most as far as competition is concerned is probably the attorney general's race, the primary. The primary uh, over there, uh, whoever wins that primary is more than likely going to be the yeah. attorney general. Hands down. Um, so uh, interesting stuff. I'm, I'm going to be up on on Tuesday night watching the election returns come in. Um, we haven't even touched on any of the um, the uh, legislative um, primaries that are going on, uh, nor the U.S. Uh, Congress seats that are, uh, you know, up for election uh, in primaries as well. Any, any, any of those races that uh, you want to talk about at all? Well, the first thing I want to say is we, the text, I'm sorry. The first thing I want to say is that the U.S. Constitution requires that every 10 years we take a census and the census determines the number of 
congressional house representatives every state has. This is very important because how much representation you have in the house oftentimes determines and the population that you um, identify in the census determines the amount of funding and federal programs and aid and whatnot that you receive. And so this last 2020 year, we took a census and Texas has earned two new seats. Now, this is something that a lot of people don't understand, but we did a redistricting um, podcast, a few podcasts back, so I encourage you to go listen back to that. But just as a reminder, a refresher, we did not just redistrict Texas to include the two new seats. When you have such a population growth in a state, you have to redistrict everything. And so this year is very important because you are reelecting all of the Senate at the state level all of the House members, which would have been up anyway, all of the U.S. House members as well. And so I can't stress enough. The other thing that is on the ballot that is um, unique because of the redistricting is the State Board of Education. I encourage you to look at that. There are 15 different districts, and I will tell you that very few of the people running have any educational background. I always tell my students, pay attention to who you're voting for because more business people run than educators, and they're the ones who do set um, the criteria for the K-12 through education. So I'll just point that out. And the last one, of course, is the Railroad Commission. We have one person up. uh, It's a three um, I almost said three man, but we do have a female who's currently a chair. Sorry. It's a, <laughs> a three person. person board. I'm yeah. not trying to be sexist there. Yeah. And um, Wayne Christensen will probably win re-election. And so, of he's course, the Railroad come. Commission. Yeah, he's the incumbent. The Railroad Commission, which has absolutely nothing to do with railroads and everything to do with oil and gas. Yeah. One interesting thing to note with that race and the Railroad Commission uh, Commissioner uh, race uh, Wayne Christensen is the incumbent. Um, one person, uh, there are four people running against him. Uh, one person died in a car accident on February 8th that is against him. So not He's that on the ballot, yeah, not that, you know, just just an interesting uh, fact there, a sad, interesting fact there. And um, the only thing I think needs to be mentioned is if you were affected by the winter storm last year and did not escape to Cancun, um, you want to be blaming the Railroad Commission for the poor management of the system in Texas, not not Governor Abbott, certainly not Ted Cruz. No offense um, to those people who don't like him, but he was not in charge. He's not the reason we had freezing. So this well, is a very. I, I always do this in my classes. I say, hey, you know, we have a railroad commission and there's three people that are elected statewide. Guess what the railroad commission does? What do they regulate? And of course, they always say the railroads. And I say, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> regulate the railroads they regulate oil and gas the oil and gas industry and and texas which is is a big industry texas yeah (laughs) it's poorly regulated because the three members on the board are actually um in the industry itself so right i mean just kind of a revolving door type of situation there um do you do you have any anecdotes about why it's called the railroad commission and it regulates oil and gas Well, when it was created originally, it was created in order to assist with the expansion. And so the railroads were part of its purview. However, when the industry shifted in the state of Texas after the spindle top and you really have a lot more focus in the crude oil, then you have an entire industry that needs to be regulated. And so this was the shift. Uh, transportation is a department now that's run under the governor and the governor now runs uh, most of those. I mean, not him. I mean, he's, he oversees it, but what else? Right. But that just is not one of the main industries anymore. Right. And in order to remain relevant, they, they took over oil and gas, which was pretty smart for sure. Oh yeah. Better money than Um, another thing to point out, especially in these U S house districts, um, because of the redistricting and because of the two new seats that, that Texas picked up in the apportionment, uh, a lot of um, uh, seats don't have an incumbent running. So a lot right. of open seats um, and then also a lot of people um, retiring, uh, believe it or not. So uh, well, did you know that statistically in the state? In the Texas House, mm-hmm. turnover is significantly higher than in any other legislative position. Um, 
And that is because they do exit interviews and it was found that they do not feel it fulfilling and that the public does not appreciate all their hard work. And that's why they don't run for reality. Yeah. yeah, that's an understatement. People don't, uh, don't appreciate for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm going down the list here. Uh, I do have of- one comment about somebody who's running. Sure. Yeah. Okay. One comment, you've got somebody who is running against Van Taylor. So the, Uh the lines have been moved, but it's the Texas third congressional district and Van Taylor is currently, he was in the um, Texas Senate. Mm -hmm. He ran and is now in the house. He's been there only for um, two years and he is running against somebody whose logo was her name, Hart. uh, Harp. And um, her, whole election is America first, mm-hmm. the America first person. She and a few other are also running against Van Taylor and saying he betrayed yeah. Texas conservatives. So that was, I think that is probably my most interesting one, probably because it's in my area. So I right. see these campaign Van, ads Van all Taylor, the time. Uh, District three is uh, a lot of Collin County yeah, uh, in that one. He has four people running against him. I know. And it's uh, all because of his, what? support of the fact that we should find out how the insurgency happened. Well, yeah, the, the January 6th commission, he did vote in favor of, of starting the January 6th commission. Yep. Um, so you've got a lot of people running to the right of Van Taylor. Um, Which is probably hard to do if you look at his voting record. Yeah. Yeah. Van Taylor, not exactly a liberal. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Um, Absolutely. Not. Yeah. Interestingly enough, he's a, he's a Marine officer. He was a, yep. Uh, in the Marines as an officer and uh, full disclosure, I did um, uh, visit his office um, a couple of months ago when I took some students to Washington, D.C. and his office was was uh, nice enough to host us and to, to show us around a little bit. And uh, we got our pictures in front of the U.S. Capitol. So uh, nice. his staff, very, very nice people. Give them a quick shout out. <laughs> Yeah, other than that, I don't see anything. I mean, I will tell you that I am. It's very um, disheartening to see America First on some posters. Mm-hmm. I think that most people do not realize that is a cry to white supremacy past um, political parties. And so, I think when you have a conservative in office and he's being run, trying to be run out of office because he's not conservative enough, I don't know where we're supposed to be going. So. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Democrats, you think they're going to take over? You know, got two new seats. What about that? Yeah, don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. Um, they the way that the Republicans redistricted, they they did it very favorably for, <laughs> shocking. for the Republicans. Yeah, shocking. Uh, if Again, we talked all about this in a previous episode uh, in which we um, talked about the redistricting in in Texas. And trust me, if the Democrats had been in power, they would have redistricted in their favor. So it's not a Republican thing. I get that all the time. Republicans don't like like honesty and equality. Now they're in charge. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the Democrats, Democrats were in charge. The they do it too. Democrat run states, you know, it's it's uh, oh, way bad. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting there. Um, yeah, I don't see anything else here in the House seats that that's really, really interesting. I'll um I guess the, the one thing I would point out is if you um, if you don't have this, you are allowed in the state of Texas to take in what's called a voter guide. I cannot remember everybody who represents me. I know I should, but my brain, I'd have to delete other information in order to include new information. I'm an old computer, not a new one. So um, I always, you can take in a paper voter guide. Mm-hmm. So you should definitely do that. A lot of voter guides will give you not only First of all, you should, if you're registered to vote, get a card in the mail and I'll tell you, they just sent out the new cards in the mail to tell you who your new districts are in case you've been redistricted into a different district. Um, If you don't know, you can just Google who represents me in Texas and put in your address and they'll tell you all the districts that you now are under. The Texas Tribune has a wonderful website where you can go and you can see who what your old district was and what your new district is and the differences between. But I would just say, do not try and memorize this stuff. Get a voter guide, make it easy on yourself, do the research before and take something with you. Uh, We don't expect you to memorize it all, but it would be great if you could go down ballot. That being said, I also tell my students, if you don't want to vote for every position, you can just go and vote for one, two, 10. So please vote. I guess that's my my plea. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Please 
go vote. Uh, one last uh, election that I will um, talk about here is uh, for Texas Supreme Court. There are three Supreme Court justices that are running for re-election on the uh, Republican side. Uh, two of them do not have uh, anybody running against them in the primary. And okay. one of those people is Justice Rebecca Huddle, who uh, has been gracious enough to say she will come on to our podcast uh, in uh, April. So we're going to look forward to hosting her, having her on and talking about what the Texas Supreme Court does and uh, why the, the courts in Texas are important uh, to, to state government for sure. So uh, a little preview of coming attractions for <laughs> Yes. Very exciting. And just to point out again, if you don't realize this, you vote for all of your judicial branch members, your executive branch members, and your legislative branch. So not just the Supreme Court, but in Texas, we have two Supreme Courts. We call it a bifurcated Supreme Court. Yep. And one is criminal and one is civil and both have um, open seats. And so yep. you, you, you'll be voting for that. So yeah. a lot of responsibility in the state of Texas for running the government. I get students all the time who complain that my vote doesn't count. Well, it does in Texas. Yeah. You have a lot of say, you have a lot of opportunity. And especially I'm looking at the polling right now. I'm looking especially at the turnout. Down. Yeah, the turnout. And if, if only 4.8% of Republicans and 1.2% of Democrats show up, mm. or whatever the number is going to be at the end, right? The, the projection is not good. Um, oh, that was in one county. I'm sorry. What, was, what did I say? The turnout. Oh, the turnout is 4% in Republicans and 2.4% of Democrats. Yeah. That so, means uh, that a shockingly small amount of people, less than 10% of the Texas population is determining who the candidates are going to be. And you could be one of those people. Especially down ballot. Um, it, you can, you really can't affect these elections when you vote down ballot, when you vote for some of the, um, the election, the campaigns that are not on the top of the ballot that are not as well known, you know, one, two, five votes might be the difference, honestly, in some of these elections. So, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely go vote and, and do your part. Well, I think that's it for this for this podcast. Excellent look through the primaries. Um, again, love getting political. Absolutely. Again, the primary election is March 1st. You can early vote, although early voting is almost over. But um, March 1st is election day. You can go uh, make sure you find out where your precinct is, if you are registered to vote, and then... Uh, go vote in either the Republican primary or the Democrat primary, whichever one you want to vote in. So excellent job, Jessica. I think I think we're a good team here. You know what? I think I should go vote. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and leave a comment if if you feel compelled to do so. And we really appreciate you listening uh, to our podcast again. Uh, we'll be back uh, again next month with a new episode. And then in April, uh, we will have Justice Rebecca Huddle on the podcast to talk about the Texas Supreme Court. Thanks very much for, for being with us. You have any, any last words, Jessica? No, just, you know, if you don't vote, my vote um, counts more. So.